So what we're trying to do is grab pack leaders in all different industries, whether it's business, uh, music, movies, TV, whatever it is, and getting into their minds and understanding how are they able to get to the position that they're in today. Today's guest is a four-time Major League Baseball All-Star and two-time World Series champion with the San Francisco Giants. He was a key piece to the Giants championship teams and was viewed as a true leader of the team. His work ethic, passion, energy, and leadership led him to a successful 15-year career in baseball. Let's welcome to the Pack Leader Experience, Hunter Pence. What's up, Hunter? What's up, my man? How are you? What's up, Steve? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on your show. Of course, man. I had to have you on. When it came to pack leaders, we obviously had to have Caesar, the pack leader of all of them first, right? But then the second one that came to my mind, I was like, let's see, who are my clients? Can I say, I'm like, oh my God, let's put Hunter right on there. Cause that's the definition of pack leader right there with the world series wins and working with the giant. It's amazing. And I really enjoyed working with you just because of how in tune you were obviously to leadership, to energy, to state of mind, visualization, all that stuff. But I think it'd be good maybe to say how, how we found each other or you found us or whatever it was and, and go from there. If that's cool. Yeah, no, I think that that's perfect. And, and honestly, um, I didn't necessarily want a dog. It's, it's Alexis's journey and she was passionate about a dog. And so I was finally like, all right, let's do this. Like if we're going to do it, let's do it right. We wanted to get the dog trained and she's looking at YouTube videos of all the different people. By the way, people. hold on. And Sorry so, to interrupt you. We forgot oh, yeah. this part. Cheers, bro. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. I got some Vito. Yeah. Somebody said in the last one in the comments, they said, nothing says pack leader, like a, like a martini glass. So I don't know if, <laughs> if the guy was breaking my balls or being like serious. I couldn't tell, you know, <laughs> you know what he might've been, he might've been breaking your balls. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, you're a pack leader when you don't care what anyone thinks Correct. So just be yourself. Thank being you. yourself is key. Number one, because as, as soon as you're fo phony or fake, like it doesn't matter what you do on the outside, people feel it. That's you right. can't lead unless you're being authentic. That's right. So for me, I felt, like, I felt like I was being pack leader by putting that in the, in the thing. Like, I'll just do whatever the hell I want. I'm going to drink a martini right on there. And I was like, my first thought was, thanks for such a nice, nice comment, man. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, wait, this guy's probably giving me shit right now. But whatever, it's all good. <laughs> you you know? know what? Maybe, maybe, you know, we can't, we can't assume that gets us in trouble. That's but right. I mean, maybe he understood. He's like, yeah, this guy is leading because he's being himself. He does what he wants, not what people expect him to do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Sorry for interrupting you about that. Uh, oh, yeah, about, no worries. About Foxy. Go ahead. But yeah, no, uh, honestly, uh, I was reading like a really crazy book at the time and, and I'm always studying, you know, energy, whatever, philosophy, science. Like I love like studying and, and working on being a better me and, and just learning life. It's fun. And everything that you were saying about how you train the dogs was exactly in tune with like kind of what I believe and what I buy into and how like the dog is kind of a mirror. It's kind of a reflection of your energy That's and, right. and just the way that you lead them. I was like, Whoa, the dogs are basically the same as my book is talking about the universe and how yes. the universe responds to your energy. And uh, I was just like, this guy gets it. He's in tune. And then obviously I heard that you had worked with Caesar and I hadn't really studied much of Caesar, but the more I listened to Caesar, he's not only training dogs, he's training people. He's like, he's teaching you, you know, balanced aligned thoughts and, and really great principles to have a successful life, not only a successful relationship with a dog. That's it. That's awesome. And if there's anybody, by the way, who, who gets this stuff, who was like so easy to work with, it was Hunter and Lexi, by the way, because 
being able to be like, hey, so we need to do this. And he's like, no problem. And I have to do this. Great. And then I'll do this. And then the questions, like for me, the level of engagement that you had in commitment to, to understanding this stuff and how easy it was for me being that you played baseball, I played baseball and, and understanding leadership and, and visualization again and what you put out into the, into the world or into the universe is going to come back to you two times, three times, whatever it is. It was so, so much fun to work with you guys. And we got to bring, so, okay. So then when, when, uh, you guys had selected your puppy, then it became, all right, we're going to get the puppy out here. And you actually got the puppy here before you even saw her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember why. <laughs> I remember why when Lexi said, she said, Lexi, what, what did Lexi say? Lexi said, what, if, what? if I know that if I get this dog in my presence, there's no way I'll be able to give it up. <laughs> and I was like, you're probably right. So send that thing yeah. out here right away. And then we had a plan, but it was right in the beginning of the coronavirus last year. Right. Yeah. So like when it happened, like Corona was like, like just hit. So just it was hit. kind of like this weird window and you ended up having her a little bit longer yes. and it ended up being actually a great blessing. And, and I, I, we didn't know this at the time. This was the first puppy that you ever had. Yeah. This was the first puppy that we had from that came straight from the breeder. And it's okay. something that I had wanted to do for so long. Right now we have like five puppies here, by the way, ever since Foxy, I mean, everybody in the world wants to send the puppies here now. <laughs> yeah. It's the smart... It's yeah. the smartest thing because that's the most difficult time. And it's the most like influential time on the dog. And I'll, I'll be honest, like you're so good at dogs and we were such beginners that you handed it was like handing a Ferrari to a high school kid. Right. You know, she right. was just so well behaved and we had so much to learn and yeah. it takes time. And like, we needed more time with you, but obviously you're in New Jersey and we were in Arizona and in the middle of like a baseball season slash pandemic break yep. weird thing. So, uh, but like the two day crash course was like, Oh my God. Like we have so much work to do. And, and really it's like anything in life that takes experience. It takes practice. It takes messing up and it takes like using your imagination and being creative yep. and like learning those lessons. Like, you know, we definitely, we did get, like, we saw how she behaved around you and everything seems easy when you're under the umbrella of your energy and of your understanding. And then when y'all left and it was just us with this amazing dog and you had told us all of these things and we didn't exactly know the rhyme or reason, but we had picked up the core principles. So yeah. uh, it was, it was kind of like, we felt like that. And we definitely, the Ferrari is not as fresh as it was because you headed off to a high score, but she's really, really, she's really, really nice. It's she's amazing. still, we're I getting see, that rhythm. I see all the media of her. She's doing amazing. I see how social she is and you guys taking her everywhere. It's so awesome to see. And then something you said that I think is so huge is about the making mistakes part and learning from mistakes. And even what you look like learning, the dog learns from mistakes without a doubt, the human learning from mistakes and then being able to recover because when a, people are so paranoid with their dog of letting the dog make a mistake and they're like helicopter momming the dog that the value of making that mistake, learning from the mistake and then learning the correct way to me is actually more valuable than just doing it right the first time potentially, you know? Cause now you yeah, have both sides yeah. of it. Everyone wants to think that life is gonna just go easy and smooth and, and like, you know, that we need this perfection, but actually like, it doesn't matter what happens in life. What really matters is how do you respond? That's and right. like, so when a mistake happens and something, it's a learning lesson. And this is how great I get an opportunity to grow and learn with my dog. And, uh, and so like you, you can ask the right questions, you can do the research you, and you just kind of, you, you grow stronger and you actually learn a lot more from those mistakes and you become closer with your dog. Um, one thing that I'm learning about Foxy and how amazing animals and having a dog and this partnership is, is how much they teach you. Yes. And like, she's, you know, she's taught me a lot about like my, like I, I wasn't very good with nose. And like, I love how you brought up rules, boundaries, and limitations. Yep. And like, you see the difference in her and, and we'll notice like, 
when we're getting a little lax on some of the rules, she starts trying to get away with a little bit more. And, yeah. then, and then all of a sudden it's going to blow up that like do it missing a couple little things here and there and not following through will blow up on you on the, in the end. And then you have to come back to square one. And we're like, all right, we're going to do every little thing. And, and, and actually she starts like loving you more and like, she craves that discipline That's and right. she craves those rules and those boundaries. That's right. And then, and it, it's taught me how to have my own boundaries and how to say no a little bit more than just saying yes all the time. Right. And, it's 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 really cool she's made me such a better person just the time i've spent and the mistakes that i've made so awesome so awesome and like the thing you said about discipline how what what a polarizing word in 2021 that discipline is right because it's one that a lot of people hear and they're like oh i don't like the way that sounds what does that mean you're spanking them you're hitting them you're doing what is it no 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 no. what discipline is is in my opinion is following through to what you said you were go you were going to do and actually doing it right so Obviously, as a baseball player and a professional, you had to be disciplined about your routine. Because just like you said, if you miss a couple things, just like on the team, like the catcher misses a sign, the guy, you know, like little things like that can change the whole trajectory of a game. Just like missing little things like, eh, let's let the dog just bust through the front door this time. We're in a rush, right? And then all of a sudden you come back and now the dog's starting to go through there, you know, and they develop all that yep. crap too. So I think that's amazing. Um, wh why did you say how you started in your, your childhood? Because obviously we talked about Foxy as a puppy in her imprint, which is zero to eight months imprint for child zero to seven years. So what was your childhood like? And how do you go from I know you grew up in Houston, right? Is it Houston or just Texas? Um, so I grew yeah, Texas, I grew I was born in Fort Worth, I grew up in Arlington, and I moved like 12 times as a kid. Oh, wow. I do want to hit a little bit more on the discipline thing. Because, yes, that would like, be great. I'd love to hear that. Because because it is true. It's like, it's like letting her run through the door or like one as a human. And I love this dog so much, like having her 30 minutes of time in place or her 30 minutes of time in, in crate or whatever. Right. Uh, the human in me is like, Oh, I want her to be free. Or like, let's say we're cooking in the kitchen and, and we have a boundary. She's not supposed to come, but she brings you a toy back there and looks really cute. Right. And you're like, Oh, we'll let her back here this time. And then all of a sudden, all of it goes to waste. So just like having discipline with her and it makes her happier and healthier. And I see it in her. Um, it's the same with me. Like I, I went through retirement and I was, you know, many, many, many years of working out and working so hard and my body being a little beat up. And I took like the law, I'd never taken two weeks off of, of, of training in my whole career wow. up to my, like, until I retired, never wow. more than two weeks wow. at all. Did I like, so even that two weeks, I would sometimes go to the gym and work out anyway. So I took like a couple months off and when I retired and I started realizing that like I was losing a little bit of my mental health, having yeah. a little bit more anxiety, not like losing some of my confidence. And it was the, as soon as I started getting a little more disciplined, I just started like feeling happier and healthier and better and, and just things like, and so like, just even learning that lesson, it was okay that I went through and I felt a little bit of this anxiety to learn the lesson that, oh, you know what, one of the greatest experiences in life is to get a sweat or right. to get outside and, and, and to have the rules, boundaries and limitations, even on myself, because yes. I know that it creates a happier, more joyful life. It's the, to me, it's some of the greatest abundance is to be able to move in your body. And so I learned that lesson yeah. and, and on to, uh, by the way, my back to I, I, yeah. your question, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, to, no, it's great. No, no, I, I'm happy to hear that because it's, hearing it from you is amazing to hear. And I think the audience would definitely get a lot of value what you just said there for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would say that like my childhood was, you know, I, I would call it a huge uh, blessing, okay. but I had a very difficult, uh, I would say I'm still, I still realize that I was, I'm very privileged to be who I am and to have the opportunities that I did. Yeah. 
but we didn't have very much. And, you know, my dad was a very tough love kind of guy. There was no mercy, no going to the hospital. Like it, it was like, get it done. And like, I, you know, I, I love him because the one thing that he did do is he's like, if, if, if you're going to do this, like you're going to be practiced and you're going to be ready. And so like, that was kind of his thing with me is like, I had to go and earn the, the money to, to play on my teams. I had to go sell flowers or candy bars or whatever yeah, it may yeah, yeah. be because I wanted to play baseball and like, and I had to like practice every day. So he instilled in me this really powerful discipline uh, coming back to that word. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so. Which um, was not probably guess, not very easy in childhood, right? To the, on the, on the receiving end, it's a very difficult thing. Cause it's like, I just want to do this. I want to do whatever, just like puppies, by the way, I just want to do whatever I want to do kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, you're a kid, you're a puppy. You don't really understand what the way the world works yet. So we're going to teach you how to do it. But I think the discipline thing, again, is like such a huge thing that even though it was probably very difficult and a, like you said, a hard experience to go through because he was tough love and all that, you still have the gratitude for it, for that part of it, because look what it was able to help you accomplish oh. in your career and your life, you know? And and really the main thing that he taught me that I really needed in baseball and, and like one of the uh, things that's like for a baseball player that's really powerful is like, you know, as a baby, I wasn't allowed like, and, and I'm not going to say that this is necessarily healthy or whatever. Right, it's right, like, right. There's a very powerful moment when I like fell really bad and like scraped my knee and I'm maybe six years old and I'm like crying and it hurts. And my dad's like, nah, like that's enough. And I had to learn how to like suck it up mm -hmm. and how to just be tough. And uh, nowadays that I'm grown up, like I don't have to do that. But in the baseball world, like from then on, I was just like, I just got to like power through this. And yeah. I remember the first time I ever went to a hospital was uh and, and i don't know why that this even matters but like uh was i was a freshman in college i went to collegiate summer ball in new york and i slid into home laying on my pinky was jammed and i was like i do not need to go to the hospital like i am totally fine and they were like no we're gonna take you you need to get that checked out i swear i've broken a lot of bones and didn't ever go to the hospital because they were like oh this is broken we got to replace it and when they replaced it after it was broken, it felt way worse. I was like, ah, now it really hurts. So like, <laughs> you like sure break that I'm thing again. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. But, um, but anyway, uh, I guess, I guess where did you want to go from there? Cause it, my, it definitely was, I will say this, this is something that I think is very important. And I think I actually kind of lucked into this, Yeah. but like the power of decision and making a decision. And when I was a junior in high school, like I'd always loved baseball. I played every sport growing up. There was really no MLB network, no YouTube, no, yeah. none of the information age wasn't out there. So like I, and my dad didn't play baseball. So it was like kind of me and my brother. Yes. And we just were like, like we're gonna we're gonna just practice and do what we can so i made a decision after my junior year i was like i'm gonna do everything i can to play baseball as long as i can and i'm gonna take it as far as i can and like you're gonna have to rip the jersey off of me that's amazing and that was that was like the decision i made my junior year and so like i wrote like a program and i was like i'm gonna work out like this amount of time like i i, I built my own workout program uh I built, like I was going, I was doing two a day sometimes like working out. Uh, I was like, so I'm gonna get as strong as I can. I'm gonna get as fast as I can. And I'm gonna get as good at the skills as I can. So yeah. I had like my own running program. Uh, and this was like, yeah, like I said, I had to create it all kind of on my own. And it was just like, just put a tire, like get a belt, put a rope on the back and, and, and carry a flat tire and like run in a field. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so like, I just kind of built everything um, on my own and just made my own programs as, as I went. And which, which started, which I find so fascinating, which is everything, which started with the belief, right? The belief is I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do this until you have to tear the jersey off my back. So now yeah, that I didn't, 
in my opinion, that makes it even easier, but not easier. Like it wasn't, not like it wasn't challenging to become a major league baseball player. But when you have that belief of like, no matter what I'm going through this, it's like, it actually, in my opinion, becomes a little bit easier because you're just committed at that point. Yeah. But here was my thought is I didn't think that it was going to go to, like, I didn't know how right, far right, it was right. going to go. Right. So I didn't have this. At- and I think that attachment is something that really gets in the way of people. It's I like agree. they need this result. And I was like, totally no, I don't agree. care how far it takes me. It was like, I'm here in high school. So after my junior year, like I'm going to be ready for my senior year to crush it. Right. And like, I'm going to, and like, and I'm going to do everything I have to do in life to get by. Like if I have to go work at like, you know, I, I worked in like fields uh, in the summer with like, you know, engineers, uh, like basically kind of like a construction worker. I worked at Applebee's. I worked at restaurants, whatever I got to do to get by, I did my homework. But and every free moment I had was like, how can I be the best baseball player I can? Right. And I got an opportunity to like, you know, go to a junior college and like the same thing that was there. It was like, whatever I got to do to get by. And then the rest is like, I'm, I'm fully committed to baseball. I was like way more disciplined from like that moment in high school till I got to the majors than I ever was in all of my life. Like I was like, I remember like, I would like maybe drink one or two times a year, like at at all. And like, I remember I forced myself to eat raw vegetables or like whatever eating program I could find. Uh, So it was just like, it was a commitment to just like, who, who knows how far it's going to go, but I made a decision that I was going to give everything I had because I loved it. Right. And you, so you committed to the long term of like, I'm doing this until you tear up. But then that was literally all you did for future. And then you went into living, basically living in the moment of like right now, yep. this is what I can do to, to this week, this day, this hour, this workout. And I'm going to do the, do it to my best ability. Right. Yeah. And I yeah. think and I would go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I would not miss. Like I remember being in like summer leagues in college, this was a different one. And like, we would get in at three in the morning and I had a workout to do. And like, there was no gym access at whatever. So at three in the morning, I would go to the gym and do my workout. Right. And like, and, and there were, it was very specific because I remember doing this when everyone, you know, would go home and stuff. And I remember just looking in the mirror like, I am crazy. Like, <laughs> I can't believe that, like, I'm doing this. Like, and, and I would, like, kind of find a way to sneak into different gyms and stuff and yeah. find my way around, whatever, because I, I didn't have a ton of funds. But I do remember breaking down and crying when I got called up to the majors because I had, like, just vivid memories of, like, those decisions. And I knew that those little decisions from the basic decision that I made like I knew that that those were the reason that I got there. Like I knew that like those actions that I took, like they added up to yes. me being a little, just a little bit better. That's right. I think, it, and it's it's also what people will see, right? Is there goes uh, a major league baseball player. He's hitting home runs, RBIs, an All Star, and won the World Series. And they see all the 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 glamour of it and the the wins and how glorious it must be. But what they don't see is the behind the scenes of what it was like starting from the beginning, what you did, how much work and how many, I'm sure internal battles. Cause like how many times it was, it were like, I don't want to go to the fucking gym right now. I don't feel like going at all, but then you end up having to go because why you made that agreement to yourself. Right. Yeah. And then you run into people and you're like, you're, you're just a freak. You're just stronger than everybody. Yeah. Well, it's not a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) I was strong for a reason and I was very skinny. I was very skinny. And like, you know, like I had like, you get strong because you continue to push, but right. I mean, everyone does have a genetic, whatever, Without but a doubt. like, but I definitely like was stronger than everyone else, but I was in the gym more than everyone else. Yeah. 
That's right. And so you had the even. So look, you could have done been like, I'm skinny. I'll never be able to be a baseball player. I'll never succeed. Da, 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 and could have gone with that because that's what life threw at you. Or you just say, I'm skinny. So what? So I'm going to get myself in shape. I'm going to get strong and I make this shit happen. That's it. I, I will say that mentally, uh, one of the hardest things, Steve, that you just brought up to me, because like going back to the skeleton I was in high school, yeah, it was very intimidating and mm. very, I was very insecure about going to the gym and like lifting the weights I was lifting as all of these other huge guys yes. were around me. But then I just started asking them, I'm like, Hey, what should I eat to gain weight? Like I need to gain weight. And they were, so they were like, Oh, you need to eat like two bowls of oatmeal every morning. I remember puking that up that was nice, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> before yeah. a tough workout. Cause yeah. oatmeal is just heavy, yeah. but like peanut butter and jelly at night or whatever. Yeah. So just like, I found a way to just start crushing these calories and just keep going and like, Okay, so I'm not as strong as the the guy before, you know next to me, but so what? Or like, who cares if they're embarrassed? Like, I just right. kept going. I was like, there's only one way to get stronger if I'm embarrassed of this. Like, I just have to own it and keep going. So I would like to throw that out there is like, like just go ask those other people or or just be kind Such to them one. and and be kind to yourself because it's okay to be where you are. Once again, like we said earlier, it's not what where you are now. It's like what's your decision now and how do you respond to now? That's right. And I think it's such an important one because I can relate to that big time. When I first met Caesar, I actually didn't do the right thing, which was I should be asking him questions and all that stuff because I was like, I don't want to ask this question and look stupid, right? Which is obviously my own self-worth, obviously my own insecurity, all my own nervousness, all that, right? So then when I realized as I was starting to work on myself more and this and that, I said, I'm actually dumber for not asking him because now I still don't know the answer. So let him, and by the way, Anyone, in my opinion, you tell me, but anyone who is going to shit on you for asking questions and trying to learn, it, the, the people above don't do that stuff. What I found, and at least in my experience, the ones who are like getting after it, who are win in a winning mentality, pack leaders, they, they're not going to criticize you for asking. They're like, wow, you're smart. You're asking the questions. That's really, really good to do, you know? And it's, again, going into what I did with Caesar is, is he talked about in his thing is, is front, middle, and back of the pack of being able to be in all positions at different points, right? So on the field, when you're World Series time, you're going to the front for sure. We're going and we are winning this World Series no matter what the fuck happens, right? Then it's like middle of the pack. I see you as a middle of the pack in regular life. You tell me if I'm right, like more happy-go-lucky, you like getting along and having a good time and all that. And then listening when it's like, I'm sure when the coach is talking or when you were asking those guys in the gym, let me go to the back and get this information from you guys, you know, so then I can develop myself, which I think is so awesome, you know, and that's the biggest thing. I think it's a huge point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I tell people all the time, ask the questions. If you're even in sessions, if you're not understanding what's going on, just ask me a question. This way I can tell you what the answer is. And I'll tell you guys for at home, Hunter was amazing with the question. You got, you asked so many questions, like more than most clients. And I could see most people say like, what, what he doesn't know that much or whatever. I'm like, I see him as confident because he's saying, I want to know the answers to this, you know? And I think that's the most value for sure to understand that stuff. Well, I'm not afraid to own where I'm at and to right. know like, like you are. it's okay. It's okay that I don't know about, you know, dogs that much. I'm, and you're, you're someone who spent all of the time in it, you right. know? And so like, how am I going to get to where I can know something about a dog and tell someone else if I don't learn or take the time to learn? And, yeah. and, and at the end of the day, like, 
you know, self-value and self-worth is like, is within, it's not without. So like, I don't need someone else to tell me I'm about, you know, my my worth or my value. And I don't need to be little like, so like a front of the, a front of the pack from, in my opinion, is going to be someone who wants to carry someone up. It's like, what's your intention behind making fun of someone asking a question? Are you trying to hold them back? Are you trying to lift them up? Yeah. Because we're all in this together and we all are going to get better together. And so, so that's coming from a place of someone actually not, thinking highly of themselves to put you down to make themselves feel better because they don't feel good enough as it is. So like a leader of the pack is all your intentions. Like when you're trying to lead, like let's say a world series championship team, you're not trying to put anyone down unless there's an intention to be the greater for the whole. Right. right? So it's like, it's like, if you're being lazy and I call you out for being lazy because that's going to hurt the whole team, that's me putting you down to make you better. Right. Like, Hey, you you need to, you, you need to lock it up. And you need to get in here and get your workout in. And you need, are, are you ready to play this game? Are you ready to come and win? Is, is that the decision that's going to help us the most? That's when I need to be hard on you. Not when you're asking a question because you don't know, like, hey, dummy, like, let me put you down. Uh, that's That would be coming from a lack of self-worth or a leader that's like looking to boost themselves. Mm-hmm. Leadership is about servitude. Like you are, yeah. you're a servant to the dog. Like the dog needs to eat first before you eat to show them that you have the leadership skills. Like right. there's, I think there's a military book, Leaders Eat, that eat Last or right. whatever. Um, so like you are making your decisions for the good of the whole and like, you have to be about it. Like, have you ever, um, paid attention to the all blacks at all? What was the name of that book? Uh, legacy. Have you heard of this? I don't know it. No, I don't know it. I'll definitely check it out though. You know me, when you tell me something, I'm looking that shit up right away. So go ahead. Tell me about it. So so uh, the All Blacks were the, are the New Zealand rugby team, and they're like known. They have the highest like win percentage of any professional sports team, and so like the Navy SEALs and like all of these people went to like study them, and a lot of their secrets came out in this book that they didn't necessarily want. But one of the greatest like honors is to be like the the captain of of the All Blacks. Okay. It's like one of the toughest things to do. And when you're the captain of the like, for one, like their jerseys don't ever hit the ground. Like they like. They honor the jersey. They honor the number of the whoever wore the jersey. You have to get permission before you can have the number of someone before you. Wow! Uh, but Super like cool. the captain is the la- the first one there and the last to leave, and they have to they sweep up the whole place because no one cleans up after an all black. Right. It's the captain who cleans up after everybody. So like, if you want to see like like to me, I learned so many of the greatest leadership principles from that book, Hell and yeah. it, it's just phenomenal. It's right. It's like you can't tell someone else to do something you're not willing to do. You have to be willing to get us down and dirty, ask whatever question. And everything that you're doing is for the greater of the whole. Right. Leading by example. And what you were talking about when you were saying about like the, the uh, being on a player who's been being lazy, you're talking about accountability, really. And that's good leadership is holding the, I call it the pack, but holding the team accountable for their actions. Like when I'm in the dog park, it's basically I'm the captain of the baseball team out there. And this is like, this is how we're going to do it in here. This is how it's going to be. And this is what's going to lead us to success and wins and doing awesome. And if someone's not being part of that, like I'm going to go after that dog and get Malvi, or I'm going to go bark like a wild thing. I have to be a leader and be on it every single time though. Not just every once in a while, every single time you got to be on it. If you want to be the best leader, right? Yes, indeed. And speaking of that, I had an issue, which I'm, I'm glad I get this opportunity Hell to yes. ask you. Uh, so Foxy, she's having a little bit of a, she'll bark at other dogs okay. and, and I'm working on, you know, right now I'm kind of going on distraction. Cause I'll be like, no. And she just keeps going. She doesn't listen to me. And I think a lot of that has to do with like getting back on track with all of the discipline in the house, you know, to get her to really pay attention. So yeah. the only way I'm getting her out of the barking is if I distract her, get her 
another direction. And then once the dog's out of sight, it's out of mind, but I can't get her to respond. So what's a great response. I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there that you have yeah, covered this, but one more time for the, yeah, for, the for sure. But it's, you're talking about her on leash when she's doing it. Yeah, she's on leash and she'll just bark at other dogs sometimes. And what what do you do exactly? So you, when you start walking, but not but she's obviously social. She goes with dogs, so it's an excitement issue. You know, it's not like she's nervous about it or fearful, right? No, she's not nervous or fearful. Yeah. Uh, and it's always specific dogs, which is really weird. Like some mm. dogs she goes and is friendly with, and then some dogs she barks at. Not sure why. Well, it's going to be the energy of the dog. So it could be that excited dogs, confident dogs, um, dogs giving her direct eye contact, dogs getting in that stalking stance is like eliciting her to being like, yeah, I can join in in that. Like a dog is always going to be like, I'm very interested in what's going on over there. And then it comes down to who is the dog. So Foxy is obviously, you know, miss uh, party animal girl. Like she wants to go with play with everybody kind of thing. So that's like, that's like um, me back in the day when I was all about going out to the bar or the club and someone like ringing me like, Hey, you want to go out to the club? And I'm like, yes, I do. And then someone saying you can't go and like holding me back. I'm going to be like, Oh my God, I want to go. So, the real thing there is figuring out um, when when does it start? So you got to see when the thing starts. Is it initially when the dog comes and it's right away that she's alert? Is it when it's like the dog is getting too close? Is it too close when it happens? Is it, uh, have you figured out any of these little things or no? Okay, so I can kind of, I, I kind of know, it's like, the, it's almost like the same dog she barks at every time she sees them and, and maybe they had a bad interaction or something beforehand. Yeah, it could because, be, it could be. You know, we're in the building and, and like a lot of the times we're going in and out, but this one particular dog, which I, I'm pretty sure, there's two that look similar, but there's this one that like, they've had a couple interactions that were kind of weird. Yeah. And the dog was actually in a, like a wagon and the lady was like cleaning the dog and it was a ways away and she's oh. just barking at it. That and makes sense I have sense, no idea though. why. That makes sense because it's something that's different. So like when is uh, she it might have been the wheels. Yes, it could have been the wheels, the dog in the thing that she was a little bit like, what the hell is going on here? That's like, what it was. Yeah, like what is all this going on? So I'm just going to bark it. And Foxy's an alerter for sure when she sees things that's like, what is this? Like, row, 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 row. well, she's going to alert to what's happening there, which is, again, we were talking about rules, bounds, limitations. Nothing wrong with her doing that first. But then we want to put a limitation on the excitement about it and tell her, hey, I know you see that thing and it's unsure, you're unsure about it or it's making you feel like you want to bark at it, but let's put a limit on that. Shh, that's going to be enough right now. So that's one where we got to either with the leash or something be able to, I'm doing the shush thing, right? That I'm just doing out there. But, but being able to with the leash, when she starts being like, I'm getting ready to do this thing, just enough of a pop on the leash to just create that what? And then you can mm -hmm. influence with your energy at that point when she's paying attention to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely noticing when the bark is coming beforehand now I'm, I, because I've been trying to get out ahead of it. Yeah. So I can kind of notice when she's about to do that, but she's not responding to the pop on the leash and maybe I'm being too gentle, Could um, be. but, but like the distraction is kind of the only way I get her out of it. And you know what, at the end of the day, like all I can do is respond and, and like ask you and, and try to be a little bit better the next time. But I, yeah. I do, I, I kind of think that, um, Cause I was gone for a little bit. Uh, I'd, I'd had been on a trip and uh -huh. so I, I, I was kind of like out of that rhythm, but it's like, once you get back more, spending more time with her, like, uh, so I've been back home for about a yeah. week now and doing the little things, she starts responding a little better. So she was, it was like my first night back out with her in a while. And yeah. so I was a little bit shocked. It's, it's like, I lost a little bit of that trust or something. Yeah. But you, but was she doing that like a lot before, be prior to you leaving or not? No, no, oh, yeah, yeah. Not. So, so this is again how all dogs are so freaking awesome is because they hold us 100% accountable and they're 100% honest, you know? So yeah. 
She's just saying like, hey, dad, just to remind you, you haven't been around lately. So this is what I'm going to start doing now. Or do you remember what to do about it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then and then I and then I have to be back to, OK, yes, miss, we're going to play that way. Well, we're going to do every little thing right. Yes. And then now yes. all of a sudden, she, yeah, she's kind of get, starts getting back in rhythm. And it's been like a two day process since then. Yeah. And it's already getting better. So yeah, it'll be better. But it, you'll get it there. And it's also too probably a layer two of that you hadn't seen her in a while. So it was a little bit of like, oh, my God, we're back together type thing can happen. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So she's like, oh, my yeah. God, I'm so happy to see you. And you're like, I missed you, Fox. Blah, blah, blah. We're all friends. And then she's like, yeah, let's go outside. Woo! Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. That's for us as the leader to remind her, look, I'm the leader first, friend, lover, whole thing second. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Uh, that yeah. I'm so glad I asked that question though. Yeah. Cause I got that, that helps unpack it. And, and now, you know, it, it, it all makes a lot more sense. Yeah. And you know, what's very common too, is that people will, will, one of the most common things I get is people will say like, look, my dog's reactive. I'm like, you were just saying, like, she reacts sometimes on leash. Like Foxy's social. She's doing that. She's doing it out of excitement and being like, I'm annoyed that you won't let me go see what's going on over there. You know, she wants to just be involved yeah. in everything. Right. But the real, the real important thing in, in the moments of that is to be able to just live in that moment and realize, okay, right now she's feeling like whatever it is, I have to just be that leader in this moment. And she's reminding me that it's time for me to step up in this position. So just like they literally, when I say that dogs live in the moment, people forget it. They think it's like, oh, they live in like today kind of thing. I'm like, no, it's literally moment by moment by moment basis. So the moment is like, Right now, I feel like I need to go towards this dog and make this noise and do all this thing. So then that's, that's for us to change in that right in that moment and say, now I'll be leader in this moment, right? Yep. Yeah. And now we're back to this moment. That's right. That, I, that I'm carrying the energy and holding that down. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But well, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you guys, right, in, in California at some point, right? In September, we might yes. get together. Yes. We're yeah. going to see you soon at some point. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah. It almost happened. Oh, by the way, another thing I want to talk about that I'm 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 starting to kind of pay attention. It almost feels like there's an energy field bubble around us okay. because today we had our best day ever at the beach with Foxy. It's amazing. We totally let her off leash, and she went and sprinting. We did chasing balls. She's getting so much more confident with dealing with other dogs and yeah. like how to let them know it's too much. And I can like tell when it's too much and when it's not. Yeah. And I would say 90% of the dogs she was, she had great interactions with. And then there was like maybe one or two dogs that like, she was like, Oh, that's too much energy. And then, you know, we, we, we kind of find our way to wiggle and, and, and block and move, move on our way. Yeah. But she like, cause she likes to be chased and she likes to run and she likes Love to play. That. And then like, before I've seen her get clobbered and just be like wrecked and scared. Yeah. Uh, but when the dogs start coming a little too hard, she like made a noise and let that dog know that it was too much and yeah. it didn't happen. And she got away from it, came to us and we moved on. But the thing that was super cool about is she would sprint everywhere, but she stayed within our energy bubble. Like I, there was about a, it felt like like a, maybe a 20 yard, 30 yeah. yard energy bubble around us that she would not leave. And I was really proud of her. That's boundaries Alexis. out of rules, boundaries, limitations. That's the boundary where she could feel when she's like that far away from you or Lexi. She's like, ah, this doesn't feel normal to be this far away. So I'm just going to stay within this thing. Yeah. She never went that. We didn't even have to do like, because we haven't actually had the best recall. Like she recalls to not Foxy come. She recalls to like either a whistle or a Foxy Foxy. Uh -huh. And then boom, she just sprints back and she yeah. knows she's going to get a treat. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's great. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And what was I going to say about that? I was going to say something about Foxy with the beach thing. Like I'll, I'll get back to it when I remember whatever it was, but let's get back to you and you're in college, right? So you're okay. in college. And so, okay. And let me, this is the, this is a question I have for you. So you were saying that you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to play baseball and do this until they have to tear a jersey off my back. 
at what point did you feel like, you know what, I have something here. Maybe I have the opportunity. Cause I know you said that wasn't the plan. Like I'm going to be a major leaguer, but I'm sure there was one point where you're like, all right, this is shit is getting a little bit real. It seems like I might actually be able to get there. Was there a, a moment in time that that happened? You know what? Um, so obviously like college, it was like, I was everywhere I did, I did really well. But I, if you knew my career, everything I did was like unorthodox and looked really weird. I was just really good at it. So I was never like- Like a, a, lot, of, a lot of what you did, right? Like your stance, like the way you threw and all that stuff was like a little bit unorthodox, right? Everything looked weird and was super unorthodox, yeah. but I was really good at it. So I was never like projected as this ultra prospect or like this gonna be amazing player. I was always kind of like, Ah, that's not going to work at the next level, but he's really good here. Mm. But, and so I was kind of like that, you know, and, and I didn't really care. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to go and I'm going to play and I'm going to play to win. And so in college or whatever, I, I would say like, I got drafted as a freshman at Juco and the person who drafted me is like the 42nd round, yeah. really smart guy. Actually, uh, definitely like got to meet him throughout my career. And he told me, he was like, uh, I believe it was Daniel Ortmeyer got drafted in the third round out of UT Arlington, which is where I was going, uh, the next year. Uh -huh. And he said, if you put on 25 pounds, you'll go higher than Daniel Ortmeyer. And that like sparked something. It planted a great seed. And like, I was already doing that. And I was like, I have to put on weight. So I just started eating baked potatoes. Like once again, like two peanut butter and jellies. Before was I went it, to sorry to interrupt I, you again. Was this when you got drafted? You were no, already this was when I was in college. So, okay, after, okay. Well, yeah, I, so they drafted me as a potential, like back in the day, you could do a draft and follow. So they drafted me in like yes, the 42nd I remember. round I remember. of Brewers in hopes that I went back to junior college, which I told them I wasn't. For two years, um, yeah. They were like, just in case the 42nd round pick is worth it, like maybe we can follow up next right. year because I think you're going to be really good next year. But he said, after I didn't sign, I went to college. He said, in two years, if you can put on 25 pounds, you will go like higher than Daniel Ortmeier. Mm -hmm. And that to me was like from the 42nd round to the third round, I was like, no way. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So it was almost like he challenged me. I think I added 20 pounds in the next couple of years. I didn't get 25 pounds, but <laughs> I did get drafted in the second round. Yep. Still feel a long ways away from the major leagues. Cause you go, I just go to rookie, you know, basically rookie, rookie ball. ball. Yeah. 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 Short season, a ball. Yep. Uh, but I was like, all right, here I am now. And guess what? I'm going to do everything I can in this position uh, to just make it as far as I can. So I just, I, I stayed with the program. It became a lot easier once I got drafted Yeah. because now I no longer had school and I, I, I got enough signing bonus that I could afford whatever I needed to, to train and to prepare. Yeah. So I didn't like the only thing I bought, like, I wasn't like the guy who got drafted and bought a car. Yeah. Cause like, I didn't, I was like, I don't really like, as my car gets me from A to B, that's fine. I did buy a computer though. Cause I was a gamer. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I never could afford a computer. So I yeah. got a computer and then the rest was just spent on like food and training and like getting, you know, put it away for the future. You yeah. Know? So that's amazing. But that was, and then, yeah, the minor leagues was, uh, was just full on. Like I was committed. Who are you drafted by? What team drafted you? The Houston Astros. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you and, started, and it was kind of. And where was their rookie ball? Where was rookie ball for them? Uh, it was in Tri City, the basically Albany, New York. Oh hell yeah! That's where, Tri -City my, that's where my mother. My mother is from there. That's hilarious. Yeah. If so I tell her that she's hilarious. Yeah. I've been there twice because I played collegiate. So it was kind of cool because my freshman year where I broke my pinky was actually we I played for the Schenectady Mohawks, which was in kind of the Albany, New York yep, area. Yeah. And I had an absolute blast uh, there. So it was cool to go back and yep. uh, play for the for the 
Tri-City Valley Cats. So you're in the minors now. Okay. And then when was was that the moment where you felt like this is real? Like I could actually get there? Or was there a moment that happened later on where or or did it just happen when you got the call, you got called up and that was it? It wasn't until um like I I would say like it wasn't until I was like in maybe double A, triple A. Yeah. I started like you start getting a couple times where like major leaguers come on rehab assignments mm. and like you start seeing major leaguers. Because it was still kind of like they were they were like over this, there, right? Yeah. yeah. And then I you play against them and you're kind of like, I kind of always did really well against them. And I was like, ah, they they must not have been trying because it was a rehab stint. And then all of a sudden you get called up to a big league game and you're like, oh wait, like like I belong here. I could do this. Like, yep. like, you know, and so I guess it, and it was way more distant. Uh, back then, because once again, like I said, there wasn't as much technology information. Yeah, they didn't share as they point. didn't share as much. They kept a lot of secrets. Yeah. So like you're kind of on your own a little bit. Whereas we're in a sharing information age, we've definitely elevated. I think our frequency um, as a whole, as a collective conscious. But uh, but I definitely um, I remember there was a moment actually. So I did get the call, and I had done the work, and I had like a I remember. Oh wait, this is a funny one for you steve so my first big league spring training they had changed the rules where they didn't have to invite me and so i didn't think i was getting an invite and they end up telling me at this like um practice camp that we had at the very end of it they said look we don't have to do this but we're going to invite you to big league spring training and i thought i wasn't and i was kind of pissed because i felt like i had earned it and yeah. uh, maybe that's entitled maybe not but i knew that i kind of deserved to at least go and i was supposed to go the year before but they changed the rule and i remember the gm said to me he said look I want you to have your ears open and your mouth shut. And I want you to know that you have no chance of making the team. Wow. And I was like, all right, like, so like, this is still awesome. I get to go. And I just absolutely blitzed the, like, I didn't say anything. I just like, like I did what they said. And I was kind of that way. I was just like, I'm going to earn my stripes. I'm going to, I'm going to let my actions speak and, you know, and, and my mouth will stay shut up. Yep. And I had just this like crazy awesome spring and they ended up like, you know, the media, I, they ended up sending me down, but the media made this big deal about it. And I, I don't know if you know this, but they kind of like, usually uh, they like the, what they did with Chris Bryant actually with the Cubs where they'll hold you for like two months down, even though you belong in the big leagues mm-hmm. just to keep you for an extra year. Yeah. But the Astros were, were like one game off of the playoffs the year before. And they went on a, a early losing streak. They lost like seven games in a row and I tore up spring training and I was tearing up triple a, and I think they just panic and they called me up and I, I got really lucky uh, that I only missed like two weeks of that season. And I was in the big leagues uh, there forevermore. But I would say that it was that big league spring training and like somewhere in double a, where I got to face a lot of the big leaguers and stuff that I was like, okay, like I can do this. And it's funny that you said like you weren't sure if you're going to get to the major leagues, but the belief was still there from the get go. Uh, I'll do this shit until they tear this thing off my back. Right. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And like, and give it there your was all. nothing that was, there was nothing that was going to stop me. And, and honestly, everywhere I went, because, and once again, this comes back to my childhood of like growing up without that much, like a lot of, t- like, if I knew the lifestyle that I have now, it would have been so hard to do that. But because I grew right. up with nothing, everywhere I was, was the best that I had ever been to. So like a lot of these other players, I didn't understand why they were complaining about the hotels and the food. And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the best I've it's ever like had. gourmet food, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so like, uh, it, it was it, like, it gave me a strength and a perseverance and like just a fortitude that was a little bit above the rest. 
And is that why you think your do you think it's your work ethic and your passion and your intensity and all that stuff and the and your obviously obvious leadership skills that got these teams to follow you? Like as obviously you could see there's like I saw, I just was watching before and I saw the like <laughs> I was laughing my ass off at one of the I don't know when it was but they were like, "Oh, sorry, we got to cut this right now." And you were in a speech in the locker room in the division series, I think. And you were getting those I was like Hell yeah. I was like, wanted to go nuts. I seen you get nuts with the, the team getting going and stuff. But do you think that that's what it was that got the teams to be able to follow you and win those world series, obviously was the, the work ethic and leading by example. One, well, 100%, like you gotta be about it and you gotta, like, you have to earn the stripes and you have to do the work. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, um, I'm not going to say that like I was the ultimate, like I was right, right, one right. of the many, one, one of, of the many, many leaders Correct. and I definitely was the, had generated the spirit and, and, you know, like, and had earned those stripes for when I did speak up. And like, for instance, that one, I know exactly which one you're talking about where I dropped a bunch of F-bombs. Yeah. I you're forgot the that moment. they were live. I forgot that they were live, but I, that actually particular year, I have a, if you want to hear the story about it, I would I love can to hear that yeah. story, but it might be a different tangent. So I'm going to go ahead and tell that. So tell that was it, actually, tell it. that was actually 2014. Yeah. And that year, uh, so in 2012, we won the World Series. Yes. We, we had this whole comeback, but we won the division. And in 2013, we didn't make the playoffs. 2014, um, we ended up losing the division in LA. They won and celebrated on us. And like, you know, we were getting flicked off. Like couldn't get out and our, you know, like the whole yeah. fans and like, and, and like, I get it. They earned it. They beat us. And we had to, to feel that pain. And like, it was like one of the first years of the wild card, the first or second yeah. year of the wild card. Yes. So it was brand new. And a lot of the guys were like really down about losing the division, yeah. about having to go to the wild card game. And I was like, I start, I started like thinking with some of the other leaders, and was like, look, we have to make it a big deal because we have made the playoffs. And at the beginning of the season, the message was, the 2014 Giants go hard as f, and like, like we don't care if we're 0 and 162 or 162 and 0, and like see yourself in a parade, like winning the World Series with the man beside you. Our only go our goal, like, is to go as hard as we can, and like to be champions. Like you're one day closer to the parade was kind of like the message. Like, yeah. And like, and like every day you walk in the door, water your garden, see yourself winning a championship. So we were trying to build like an imagination and an energy and like a thought process so that we saw ourselves as champions. Yep. And so when we had that huge pain that we weren't going to win the division, we were going to have to go to the wild card game. I was like, it's very important that we get excited to go to the wild card game. And we know that it's not like as it's, it doesn't matter how you get from a to B. Once again, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, what car you're in, but like the whole goal is get to be, yeah. we have a chance to win the world series. So I wanted to like, let them know, like, this isn't a failure that we're in the wild card game. This is like, this is our mission. Our attitude when we go to Pittsburgh is hell. Yeah. We get this wild card game. Cause we kind of knew that Pittsburgh wasn't happy. They, they like the last game of the season, they didn't win the division. They pitched their ace Garrett Cole. Mm. And like, we knew that they had lost in the wild card game and they were a little bit afraid of it. And I was like, Think of like the energy of coming into a wild card game, like hell yeah, we're pumped to be here. Versus oh damn, we just lost a division. Right. Totally different. It's like we can't have the attitude of oh damn, we lost a division. We have yep. the attitude of hell yeah, here we are, come and get it. Yeah, and that was just that was why I was like losing my mind. I forgot about the cameras. <laughs> you were in the moment, bro. You were living in the moment. Yeah. 
but it's yeah. okay. And that, and you're talking about visual, visualization because people, this is what I always talk about, right? I was going to ask you this, but you basically said it already, but like, was there ever moments where you visualize like not winning? Of course not. I'm sure there's times where you have doubts and things like, damn, this ain't looking good, but I'm not, I'm going to catch myself and say, we're still going to go there and get this victory. Right. It's the same thing. I tell people with dogs, right? When you're walking down the street, what do you, what do you, I, I'll ask these people. So let's just say the dog's reactive on leash. What are you expecting? What do you, what do you see is going to happen here? What's going to happen? Ooh, she's probably going to react and da, da 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 I'm like, all right, so just so you know, you're basing your past experience and creating your future experience. So you're visualizing in your mind and creating what you want to have happen in your future, which is going to happen. But then people will then give me shit with that because they'll say, all right, Steve, let's see you do it. And it's like the dog still reacts and it's like, oh, look, it's still reacting with you. What are you visualizing? And I'm like, hold on. Now we're getting into conditioning with a dog. <laughs> this dog is conditioned to react all the time, but now we're going to start the process. But my visualization, even though on in the moment it looks like we're losing or we're not getting anywhere, my visualization is I will get this dog to a place that's going to be balanced, going to be calm, going to be happy. You know what I mean? So that's like so cool, the visualization part, because I was going to ask you about that. And I think that's an enormous part of it because you as the leader, without a doubt, you have. And OK, one other thing I wanted to say, too, was the, the when you said the leadership group. So so many people will ask me with a dog like, well, isn't there one alpha? Right. They ask that. Or isn't there one leader? And I'm like, there will be one who the rest of the team or the rest of the pack see as the main one. But there also is a leadership group involved in the dogs, too. So it's like when whether it's you or Lexi influencing Foxy, she's she sees you both as a leadership group, just like the rest of the players likely saw you and the rest of the guys who were in that group as a leadership group. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a leadership group. And I was just the voice of the group. Like we all I was like everyone chip in, everyone chip in. I'll send the message or or even sometimes we would when we would come together, we would just be like, what do you think, Pablo? What do you think, Buster? What do yeah. you think, Zito? What do you think, Vogie? Yeah. And everyone just put your heart into it. And we were the council of elders. Hell yeah. You know, Hell the yeah. council of elders. And 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 that the story was written by us. Like, and and I remember Casilla said, like, you know, no one else believes it. He's like, he's like 2014, the Giants are the World Series championship champions. Nobody believes it, but we know it. Hell and that yeah. was what he would stand there and say. Like, it, it was so like awesome. If, if what the mind conceives and the heart believes you can achieve, it's like, what do you see happening today? Yeah. What do you see happening this season? And so um, once again, back to your story with like the dog, it's, it's, it's doing this. It's like what you have to be able to do with, with, with visualization and, and holding energy is being beyond the moment. Now it's like a Polaroid picture. You take that picture and it doesn't come out right away, Right. but it's going to come God, if you hold it, fucking good if one. you hold it. So there's a delay there's a little bit of a delay and it's going to test your, do you really believe it's true? Yeah. So, right. So like, if That's you, so if you, cool. if you give into the, if you're like, Oh, it's not here yet. It's not true. It's not working. It's like, it would be like driving, you know, from LA to San Diego and stopping halfway because you're not in LA yet. Right. So not up, we're never going to get there. So, well, yeah, yeah. Well, we're in, we're in uh, you know, I, I don't Wherever. know a place in between the two, yeah, but yeah, we're yeah. in Corona, California. Yeah. So uh, this is in LA and we've been going for 30 minutes. I'm going to turn around. Yeah. No, not going like, to work. Yeah you got to keep going until you get there. And that's what it's like. It's a, there's a delay with the belief. It's going to test your belief. It's going to give you the opposite. Do you still believe it? Do you still believe it? And then when you can really own it and hold it, despite what you see, it has to change because even Einstein said that like everything is vibration and everything is frequency. Yes. So when you match the frequency and you match the vibration, it has to come to you. This is not philosophy. This is science. This is physics. So like you have to be the vibration. Like I was a world series champion 
20 minutes before I went to bed every night, I envisioned the ring. I envisioned it. When I really owned that for an entire year, that's when it happened for me. But I sat there and I was it. And I would told myself over and over, I am a champion. I am a champion. I am a champion. And I would go about my day and I would like see it, feel it, be it. Regardless of how bad it looked, I held on to that. But like when I've really, truly embodied that, it's been incredible. Can you like, I hope the viewers are seeing, cause like I could feel it when you were just talking like that by feeling the energy of it of, cause I think this is a good point for people to hear too, is like the visualization is one thing, but then attaching like that, that like a little bit of feeling and emotion, like it's like, yeah, I'm in this and it's going to happen. Cause you just got animated. I don't know if you noticed it, but he got like into it. Cause you were in that moment, like back on the team there and you were doing it without a doubt feeling that thing because visualizing is one thing just looking at it but then being like man whatever like let me go do something else or visualizing and attaching like like attach that good feeling to it or that strong emotion to it you know yeah yeah well i mean it's like like you think of it like your thoughts are electric and your feelings are magnetic and the feelings are from the heart and the emotion right so it's an electromagnetic pulse correct right uh so basically when you magnetize being a champion you're attracting it to you but you have, you have to think it and feel it it's why are they it's where they call like the brain, the brain heart alignment, like the cohesiveness of the brain and the heart. So you have to think it and feel it. Like, what does it feel like the greatest joy? These are some of the questions you should ask yourself. Yeah. Like, what would it be like if it were true? What would it feel like? And feel into that. Yes. Feel it like, so like actions is the language of physical reality. You have to act, but you also need to like hit, align it with that emotional feeling. And like, when you start feeling into joy, like people that say, Hunter, that's so hard. They tell me this all the time because they're doing all the action and they're not getting the results. So they're, they're living in want and need and lack. Yeah. Cause they're like, yes. I want this and it's not here. I want this and it's not here. Wanting is an energy state of its own that creates more wanting. So when you want, you create more wanting. You have to, that's why they say you have to be. So be the vibration you want to be. So feel into what is joyful. Feel into a balanced, healthy dog, a balanced, healthy life. Feel into the kid at Christmas. Feel into a World Series champion. And when you feel that and just like live in that, regardless of what's outside of you, once again, like you can choose to be as happy as you want right now. And as you start like being aligned with loving, appreciation, unity, inclusiveness, joy, uh, celebration. So like I have, a, I have an affirmation. My life is a happy song of celebration and joy. And I feel into it every day. That's how I'm going to start my day. Uh, no matter whether I'm working or what, if I'm doing dishes, I'm going to do it as exciting as I can and put on music that I enjoy. So, so awesome. I'm constantly in a state of joy. And that's what you start magnetizing to you is what you're feeling right in that moment. Now you guys understand why I like talking to Hunter Hunter <laughs> <laughs> just spitting out bombs one after another. Um, yeah, that's amazing, dude. So, all right. Why don't you tell, so you become world series champion and now obviously, so how old are you? You're 38 or 39 or what? How old are you? 38, 38. Okay. I'm I just turned 39. So me and Hunter, same age. Okay. And it, which is funny. Uh, obviously my baseball career didn't go the same way as Hunter's did. <laughs> they, thanks yeah, to, but you, you have a different lifeline. You that's know, what happened. <laughs> right. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll just share like, that was a very hard time for me. Cause I was like, you know, playing, playing, I was, I went to Juco and did the whole thing playing in junior college and thinking that I'm going to go play pro the Pirates Academy, this whole thing. And then arm injury comes and then it's like career over type thing. And that was a hard time because my, my mind was saying that I'll be in the pro. Eh, it's going to be this, but it was more of like an ego way than like a, I'm going to be there way. You know what I mean? So that time was one where what, what I had a hard time was life had a different idea for me. Right. So then I, but in that moment I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do with my life? And got down and I got, I got fucked up for a while. Like I went into like, 
hardcore boozing, like not hardcore, like alcoholic, but I was definitely drinking a lot, partying, smoking weed, all this bullshit. And it was basically a situation where I was just like super unstable and unsure of what the hell I was going to do in my life. And then I started figuring out this dog thing and I said, you know what? I'm going to like be like Caesar's like number one guy. I'm going to be the one I'm going to meet him. I'm going to like change the way this world is with dogs and this and that. And then here I am today, like starting that process right now. And thanks to having clients like Hunter who are helping, like, in my opinion, like you are helping us by even by, thank you, by the way, so much for taking the time to do this podcast with me. I really, really appreciate it. But this helps spread the energy further around, like the stuff that you're talking about and I'm talking about, which I think is really going to change the world because we're in such a divisive world right now. Right. There's not enough unification and not enough agreement. Right. Yeah. And like us being in agreement about this, it's like such an amazing thing. The team had to be in agreement with you to win a World Series. The dogs had to be in agreement to be able to follow the leader, you know? Yeah, but there is there is a, a fine line here where um, where I, I like to say this. This is a, a, something I learned very, very recently that I think is very powerful is be yourself as fully as you can and allow others to be different. So like when you start like trying to force others to be a certain way, force doesn't get anywhere. That's right. You allow them their space, but like attracts like. So like have your barriers and your boundaries and flow to what, what aligns, like go with the flow is what they say. So when you understand energy and you can feel into a flow, you allow them their space. Like if you're going to be that energy, that's okay. And like, I understand. And you may think they're in your same reality, but like, uh, uh, as far as like frequency, what's going to come into Different your vibration. reality, you're going to get reflections of you. So like, it's okay. Like you may see it through Instagram or the TV or whatever, but what's going to come to you is what aligns and flows with you. As long as you don't allow that vibration, when you start pushing against it, you actually start pulling more of it to you. Right. So that's where you can get into a trap where we all have to be the same, but diversity is the spice of life. And that's the beauty is our power to choose. So as long as you're being the vibration that aligns with you and make your actions in alignment with you, it has, it has a bigger butterfly effect than you will ever know. So like your ultimate thing is just like, I'll make all of your actions in alignment with what matters to you. So like my actions are like, I'm going to be actions of love, of inclusiveness and of joy. And when someone's outside of that alignment, I'm going to, I'm going to flow. Like there's a magnet that like, like dispels you, even though they may seem to be there, you're you're not going to run into it. And as you change within your outside changes, I don't know if you've ever had huge core beliefs change and you watch your reality and you're like, am I even in the same reality? I, I don't know like if you've experienced that. hundred percent. It feels like a different world. Yeah, because you have shifted because you are shifting based on your frequency. So that's one little trap is just make sure like be yourself as fully as you can allow others to be different, because if you start attacking them and fight and going against anything, you actually make it stronger because what you focus upon grows stronger. Right. And and, and, we're we're all powerful, super powerful. And, and, And in my opinion, you can't make any humans do anything. Right. Nope. That's the difference. I talk about this a lot when it comes to a dog like. For a dog, I could walk to into any shelter in America or in the world. I could walk in and just put a leash on a dog and say, so today is your first day of rehab, bro, and we're going to get you to a balanced state. And I don't have to talk to them about it. I have to go because they live in the moment just now. But humans live past, present, future. So the human needs to be willing. And uh, I like to say, give permission to grow, to, to, to change, to get better. But if they're not ready for it, in my opinion, I think that we're at the point of, of saying not to judge that person or try to at- attack them or condemn them. They're not ready at that moment, but that doesn't mean you give up on them completely. Maybe you give them some no. space, let them go through yeah. what they need to, you know, try to inspire and motivate if yeah. you can. And if they don't want to, that's on them. That's their choice in their life, right? 
Yeah, and you're welcome back into my space when we align. You know, if, so, if something's like a huge difference deal, or someone's abusing you, or yes. someone, even if like sometimes people have these family members and they're like, I have to, you know, put up with this because they're family. But sometimes you have to put a boundary even on yes. family and tell, like, if you're going to treat me a certain way, you know, I, I'm going to love you from a distance until we're going to align and treat each other with, you know, like because I love myself too much to allow that poison. Right. 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 So like. So it's not that you stop loving them. Even because you disagree, you still send love and, and you only want the best for them. Like, right. okay, that's your decision. I don't think it's the healthiest for you or for me. I'm going to love you and send love. And like when we align, then we can be in harmony. Right. And I Does think that makes a, sense. Yeah, 100% makes sense. And I think it's a very important thing for people to hear, which is you putting up, putting up a boundary with people is not being a mean or bad person. You're protecting yourself and, you're, and the, the, the sacred intimate space of yourself honestly is very important because if you just allow everything to come in and out it's like you're, you're what are you going to do you're going to allow all this toxic and negativity and all this crap in it's very important i think people have to like look the team when you guys won it's who are the people who are who's our intimate circle here who are the people that we're with because that vibration when you're in alignment and in agreement the vibration just gets like so strong in that moment and you all take all that energy and move forward as opposed to, and that's why people say like, I get, how funny is it, right? I get a bad vibe about that person, which is what they're really saying is that vibration is, is, is not the same as mine right now. And it's like, like magnets still going against each other, you know? Yeah. And, and like, so like, you have to like, you have to like work enough with your intuition to like trust that feeling and, and like, just kind of flow uh -huh, yeah. uh -huh, uh -huh, your way away or, you know, like find your, your way to, um, but it, I, I wouldn't say that there's bad people, but if people are, if you're feeling like a drain, there's something happening. Um, and yes. trust the way you're feeling and right. just kind of as, as smooth as you can smooth that out. That's a yeah. challenging one though. That's and a big I, I challenge. haven't, I haven't, I haven't completely mastered it, but I have learned that my intuition, I, I'm connected to it because I feel into it. And uh, it definitely guides me right when I trust it. I had a, a lack of self-trust and like not knowing, you know, like how to believe what I was feeling. And then as I started to own that and study it and pay attention, I'm starting to like understand going with the flow a little bit more, but it takes awareness and all of this takes practice. I've meditated yes. for many years and, and like, I've, I've, I'm it, just being the scientist of your life and paying attention and studying like everything, questioning everything. Yes. Um, you know, like a negative belief or a fearful belief is going to like try to make you afraid to inspect and to go within. And like, it's like, Oh, if you come looking at me, the, this, this thing within you, you know, it's going to harm you. Like, but that's a, the, the negative beliefs will use all of these. It's kind of like, you know, I, I don't want to get religious, but like the devil is a liar, the master of lies, the, right. the lies are the negative beliefs that exist within you that make you, you know, positive is negative and negative is positive. This is a, a, a negative beliefs yes. like, way of thinking. Like the illusion um, of what, it, what is. Because it, yeah, because it becomes a pro protection mechanism. But like the, a lot of the things within you don't want you to come and root them out because their only source of power is you believing in them yes. and not coming to root them out. Yes. Does that make sense? A hundred percent makes sense. You know, did. Yeah, I know. I, I get talking <laughs> on like really deep levels, but like negative beliefs will like are tricksters basically. Yes. And like, you know, self-love and self-acceptance and self-joy. And a lot of times people are caught up in negative beliefs. They don't know. I actually have a story for you of a little negative belief I had that I didn't know I had till I was reading this book. Awesome. Um, I want to hear This is it. one that might, yeah, that might catch a lot of people because a lot of people in, in, in the, and the, and mass consciousness have this Yeah. where when, when let's say when like things are going really well and you have like this, like really great day or this really great moment or this really great week mm -hmm. and like things are going good. 
a lot of times we're like, wow, that was so fun. Like it's going to be a while before I have that much fun again, or it's going to be a while before another great opportunity happens again. And that's a belief. That's not necessarily truth. So true. Right. So, so I created a new affirmation. And as soon as I hit this affirmation up, my life has once again, completely changed. And I just started saying after when I was feeling into a really good time, let's say like the celebrity all-star softball game, or let's say we got invited to, to go on a cruise. That was, it was like just a, a yacht around the San Francisco, yeah. just like, just like some of the most amazing experiences of my life. And every time it happens, I say after something good, something better always follows. Wow. I created that belief. Like when I'm, when things are going good, something even better comes around. My life is a happy song of celebration and joy. Find what works for you and what feels for you, feels good for you. And brings up that, the tingly feeling of success, the tingly yeah. feeling, the tingly feeling of a great phone call, the tingly feeling of a kid at Christmas, because that's like, like passion, excitement, and joy is the vibrations of the most high. And honestly, I, I think our higher selves speak to us through what we love, through love, through passion, through excitement. So when you're excited to do something, that's where discipline is inherent because you're disciplined to do something you're excited about. If you're going to a job you hate and you're working out of fear because you think I have, you think I have to do this to like afford a living because society's told me that I can't make a living on something I love to do. Um, you're you're going to kind of start causing, you're going to start causing disease because you're not, you're not aligned with your true self. So your true. higher mind is like, is whispering to you. And it may be saying like, Hey, you're excited to go to the beach today. And you're like, well, what am I going to accomplish at the beach? But you have no idea who you're going to run into. You have no idea the thoughts you're going to get when you go to the beach. You have no idea what you're going to be inspired to for getting into that frequency of the beach. Yeah. So like it's leading you and guiding you. And sometimes your excitement is like, sometimes you're excited to rest or go to bed or to meditate or to read a book. So yes. just follow that thread of excitement. So awesome. So awesome. And I, I love saying the one like, your highest self or your highest vibration or your highest frequency is always calling. It's just a matter of when you want to pick up the phone and actually yeah. listen to it, you know? Yep. Yeah. And then it comes into actually, all right, I'm, I picked up the phone. Then it becomes the execution and actually taking the action, which gets into the discipline and it all gets into this whole thing at that point. Yeah. It's a, it's a circle of balance yep. and it's a, it's a constant, but be the scientist of your life and question everything. Is this actually true? And, and like trying to find those unconscious negative beliefs is, is part of the fun. And like, really, if you're, if you're, re if you're paying attention to how things are feeling and what's happening around you, it's reflecting what's going on within. So every time something bad happens, you're like, Oh, how exciting what's going on. Or like, let's say you're feeling anxiety. Um, start questioning that. What, what is it? I must like, what is it? I must believe in to feel this way in this moment, or why am I feeling this? Is there, is there something I'm believing in? Like once again, being afraid to ask a question, right? What is it? I must believe is true in order to feel this way about asking a question. Oh, that I'm not smart enough. Right. That's not true. We're all smart enough. And guess how you get smart by asking questions. So like you just kind of unfold it through yeah. questioning. And, and it's, and that's to me, like the observation too, observing yourself. It's like right now I'm going through all these thoughts of like, I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I can't make it happen. My dog will always react. Da, 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 da. That's all thoughts that's starting in the mind that is going nowhere for you. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not going to yeah. get you anywhere. So how yeah, does that feel? You know, not good. Huh? I got. Oh yeah, Adam wants to ask you about that sign. The he who dares wins. <laughs> it's just kind of a fun. It's kind of a fun sign, but it's actually um, the guy who did our interior decorating. I was telling him the story of uh, of something that Bruce Bochy taught me, and um, he. I was always like every Bruce Bochy was I the had, coach, right? Of your of he was the, the team. He was yeah. the manager of the of, of the Giants. Of the Giants. Yep. And every manager I played for before Boch was was typically very conservative. They were like, our pitching is great. Keep the ball in front of you. Don't die for it. Like, you know, like just yeah. like, 
keep it safe. Like just do the little thing. Do right. it easy. Get the guy Play over. it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, don't be too, you know, like they just wanted to be very conservative. Boach was the first manager I ever had where he said, where he was like, you know, like loving, like doing like crazy stuff. He was like, and I remember him one time, I was like, you want him to steal right there? That doesn't make any sense. And he looked at me uh, and he was like, uh, and I think he was just like messing around, but he was like, he was like yelling at one of our players to take the base when he didn't really mean it. Yeah. And I was like, you want him to steal right there? Like that doesn't make any sense. And yeah. he's like, Hunter, I like risk takers. And Hell like, yeah. and when I thought about it, the team that he had kind of built was a bunch of crazy risk takers. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like they had to, we had this like long stairwell in San Francisco uh, going down to the dugout uh-huh. and they had to put bumps on it because Pablo and Lincecum were sliding all the way down it. And like <laughs> you know, Sergio Romo, like all of these guys were like crazy yeah, risk takers. Guys, yeah. And like, and I was like, and, and I had always been hyper aggressive. Like I, I always was like, you know, like when you play the prevent defense, you prevent yourself from winning. And I watched these teams like in college try to like slow down the clock and they end up giving it up because the other team uh, finds a way to win. Like you have to keep pushing. And like you watch like Tom Brady and Belichick, they like aren't afraid to pass whenever like the game is on the line. Like shocking like, ones. You're like, like why just hand the ball off a few yeah, times? Yeah. They know a run is coming. Like, like don't be afraid. Like trust yourself. Yeah. Go win game go take it don't just give it back to them by trying to play it safe hell yeah and so like they those champions brady and belichick like kind of changed that whole strategy and like and boach was the same way and he taught me that like like risk taker so like when i told him that story this sign reminded him of me and so he put that up there for me i love it that's so awesome really good and it's like dare to question dare to be yourself right and then like to me what's the biggest my biggest fear in life is my fear of regret which is not going for it in life, right? Because we live this super short life in the grand scheme of things. And why not actually go for it and try? Because my the fear of what if it doesn't work out? What if I don't get there? What if I don't achieve or whatever? Who cares? I know I tried and I gave it my all. And this way I can lay there. This is what I say to myself. Maybe I'm a psycho for saying it. But I, I want to be laying there on my deathbed and be like, have no regrets. Because even if I didn't become some big success or whatever it was, I know that I gave it my all and I fucking tried my hardest to do it, right? Yeah, 100%. Like, like, honestly, it's like, like figuring out the how, like, let's say you have some dream and you're like, how is that going to happen from where I am today? Well, it's brick by brick, you build a house. So it's like, just take one step at a time and use your imagination, your creativity, and don't take no for an answer. Like, I don't know if you've ever read, and this is one of the, like, I call it the 101 for success. And this is the book that actually started me on this, like really long, fun path was think and grow rich. And there's so many so many stories in that book like the first one is the guy who was three feet away from gold like he went to the san francisco gold uh rush thing and he bought this machine he spent all of his money he was all in which is really cool and he worked for months worked for months and finally he gave up and he sold it for like a tenth of what he bought it for and the guy who bought it from him was three feet away from the biggest gold vein in all of san francisco unbelievable and the guy the guy wasn't upset after that happened he said you know what i'm never gonna stop short again he, how did he respond? He became the biggest insurance salesman ever to sell insurance and made millions selling insurance after that because he wouldn't take no for an answer. He's like, I will never stop short again. And he didn't. So he responded. And like life gives us these lessons right. if we're open to learning from them. So there is no failures. It's try one more time, one more hurdle. Um, there's one more story. And I know I'm going on, but I have I to love hit it. this one as well. Keep there's going. like, 
these huge fires in Chicago and it burned down all of the businesses. Yep. And um, I don't remember which building it was. It was like Sears or Saks or whatever. And um, all of the people were like, well, I guess that stinks. I guess we'll move on to something else. And there was one guy who was like, I don't care how many times they burn it down. I'm building my shop right here. And uh, it's like still up today. It's like a, a tremendously successful building, Amazing. but like, it's just that mentality. And like, I didn't know when I made that decision in high school, how powerful it was to be like, I don't know how, like, cause like we get tangled up in the how and where we are now versus just one step at a time and act in the direction. And then things start unfolding and like, like gifts and thoughts and you run into the right person out of nowhere. If you're just acting towards whatever that dream is unafraid and unwilling to surrender or to quit. Hell yeah. It's, it's like, do you want to be observer of the past or creator of the future, right? Because I yeah. can be like, wow, I'm poor. I have no money. And this is, well, you were and you are at this moment, but what do you want to be? Well, I want to be able to be have freedom and be able to you know live my life with financial freedom or I want to be able to do this. Da, da, da. Well, then put yourself there and living in abundance and then it's coming yeah. and it's already, or not even that it's coming, that it's here already. And then just let, because the, wanting, let the Polaroid actually develop, right? Wanting is an energy streak an energy state that creates more wanting right so like slack like you're so fine and also if you're doing something because you want money you're you're going you're putting the cart in front of the horse yes right because you need to do something that makes you happy and that you enjoy doing because you're going to become a master at it because you can't stop when you love something and you want to do it discipline is inherent within it and just master what you love and do it with love because love is what people pay for. Right. People enjoy watching someone that's having fun and enjoying and passion and love and it inspires others because you're in alignment. The greatest gift you can give others is to be happy and in alignment because they're going to feel it from you. It's an invisible force yeah. and they're going to be inspired by it. And you're going to change many people's days without ever saying anything to them by being yourself and and being your like, that's like letting your light shine. So once you are like, what do I love to do? And and, and maybe someone's a lot of people are going to say, oh, you can't make a living doing that. People are making money playing video games. People are making great livings, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things, selling wine, drinking wine. Um, there's infinite ways, especially today, to find abundance. Just take one step at a time. And the money follows the passion, not I'm doing this because I think I can get money. Uh, that's going to that's going to that's a recipe for failure, if you ask me. I agree 100 percent. And it's the it's, you know, Caesar talks about this all the time. The people who are chasing one lesson Caesar gave me really early on was that he goes, Steve, let me explain something to you. He goes, you're either going to be the follower of the money. Right. Which means you follow money, which you never catch it ever, because no matter how much you get, it's never going to be enough. Or you're going to live your life and live what you want to do with your life and, and, and focus on your passions and your happiness. And money will follow as long as you're providing something to the marketplace. You know what I mean? So for me, that was like, damn, that makes so much sense. And for I can tell you for sure, in the beginning of my life, I was definitely one who was chasing the money, for sure. Because after I, my baseball thing was done, I was like, all right, Wall Street, the, like, what's going to be the job that's going to be the easiest that makes me the most money, thinking that would make me happy? But then now getting involved with dogs, I've been around people of all net worths. And I, I know that there's no, in my opinion, there's no correlation between happiness and money. Because I've seen some of the most happy people who are people who are homeless, which is kind of insane to me to see that. They're homeless and they're happy. And you see people in, these, uh, in the Caribbean and all these places that, that they have no money. And they're just like, I love life. I love the story. Yeah. There was one of like some businessman who went down to like, I don't know, one of these uh, in the Caribbean somewhere. And they were, he's going, oh, if you guys just did this and you did this and you made this move and, this, and the guy, the, the, all the Caribbean guys are like, hey, my friend, 
We're happy. We don't need all that shit. We're happy as hell the way I, we are right now. I have a funny story for you. Uh, really right in alignment with this. So when I went to the winter leagues, when I went to uh, the Dominican Republic, um, coming from America and we have it extremely good here. We are living in wealth, like beyond what, uh, most countries could dream of. And make sure and, you tell people, this is like later on in your career. This is not the beginning of your career. Yeah. The courage you had to continue doing that, by the way, which to me, I yeah, give you so, so much credit for. Thank you. Uh, I, I, there was this new swing tech and I wanted to learn it. And, uh, the only, the only way to, you know, is after the giants were done with me and, uh, for that year and, uh, that was the end of my contract. So I was going to learn this new swing tech. I had lost my job. And so I go and I practice with this uh, really well-renowned hitting coach. And then we come up with this program. I'm going to go play winter ball. But when I went to the Dominican, the first two weeks I was there, I remember, I remember seeing kind of like the way things were and the poverty. And I remember kind of seeing the, you know, the seeming poverty Yeah. and I felt bad for them. And then as I got to interact with them and I got to talk to them and see them in the supermarkets and uh, you know, like just kind of experience the way that they live. They live completely different than us. Uh, but one of the Simple. things I realized is that a lot of them were way more full of love and joy and happiness. They weren't working all the time. Not anxious, they, they, but stressed. They and... were so excited for the baseball game. So happy to see me. They were singing. They were a family. Like everyone shares with everyone. All the players give tickets to the kids. They bring them food. Uh, and then if you hand food to like one kid, he shares it with everyone. You're like, Hey, is that your brother? He's like, he's like, no, that's my friend, but they're a family. And yeah. so they all kind of, they, they had a lot more joy and a lot of love in their faces and their hearts. They were singing and dancing and playing and, and like just having the time of their lives. And so after two weeks of being there, I realized that they didn't want it any different. They loved it just the way it was. And like, they were way happier than 90% of the Americans that I meet. hundred percent without much at all. And they, they, it was so fun. It was so beautiful. And it was such a perspective change. And it taught me, like it taught me so many lessons in life. So good. And that, that, that's what you, it's the perspective of being able to actually, cause I was in, I, I think we talked about this. I, I did a live show with Caesar in Dominican Republic. It, it was like, I think we were in Santa Domingo and I was looking, I felt I had the same thought that you did. I was looking at the people. I was like, damn, I feel so bad for these people. It's like, blah, blah, blah. But then you get out, like, out of the car and you start like talking to them. You're like, these guys are fucking happy as hell out here. They're having a great time. They're like loving life in what looks like extreme poverty. And like, there's nothing going on there, but they're like, man, eh, we're having a good time. I don't know what your guys are talking about. I mean, you, know, you have yeah. all these Americans and you're like legit wealth who are just like, hate life. And oh my God, I'm so stressed out. And you know, like all that. <laughs> yeah. But it, I, yeah. It, like need more. And they're complaining more, about more, more. something. That's a lack mentality, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. It's like, we have, yeah. you know, I, I, whatever. But I, I remember one of the great ones when I, when it came to this, when we were talking about like the cold showers and the breath work and all that. And Hunter, you had to take Hunter, cold showers in the Dominican, by the way. <laughs> well, that's what I remember. I go to Hunter. I'm like, you got to try these cold showers. They're really good. He goes, I used to take cold showers. I'm like, oh, really? How were they? He goes, yeah, but not by choice. They were just cold. It was just cold <laughs> as hell. It was all like, yeah, every one of the stadiums is cold showers. So it was, uh, <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like, uh, like one, like one a hose, nose. Basically, yeah. a, basically a hose spraying you. And, and it's yeah. three guys sharing a shower. It's like you soap up. Yeah. They get out. You get up in. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but we just like made it work and we got, we were close. We were family. Right? It was a, uh, it was awesome. But yeah, cold showers. I want to hear more about that. Actually. I, I still do them. it from time to time. Yeah. I love it. It's what just... is the power in that? Like, what is the, what is the, the lesson behind it or the thought behind it? For, look, Wim Hof. 
Yeah, I'm fasting too. But but the 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 cold showers for sure. Like Wim Hof will explain this way better than me. But to me, what I found in the cold shower is like it it brings out so many um of the the bullshit that we do basically. So basically, like for me, I'll be in the shower, and even to this day, I do them all the time. And I'm like, I find my my procrastination, uh, excuses, bullshit side comes out, which is like do I really need to do this today? Like, eh, let's just, I'll do it tomorrow. Like all that stuff starts coming out. And then it's like almost catching my own uh, habits, I guess you would say, or my own like BS conditioning, which is like the body's telling me, let's not do this. Let's not make it happen. And then it's a, and the ability of being like overriding that almost and saying, no, we are doing this. I'm in control of you body. I'm in control of you mind. We're doing this thing right now. We're going to deal with it. So then it's, it's the ability of dealing with um, basically temperature stress, right? You're stressing the body, and, but doing it in a chosen way. So not like, because look, when we were, in my opinion, back in the day, humans were, they dealt with stress all the time. Cold weather, hot weather, we had to, we're starving right now, we got to eat, and all this stuff that the human body used to deal with, that we deal with none of that shit right now. I mean, humans are dealing with that, but at least in America, most people aren't dealing with that. So being able to sit there and be like, I'm going to take this stress. I'm going to make the choice to put my body through stress and stay calm within this stress, which has helped me dramatically when it comes to working with dogs, because here comes a dog who's showing his teeth. And when you have some, some of these dogs that I deal with, like these Rottweilers and American Bulldogs and pities and all this, and they're showing teeth and I'm going to try to kill you. I have to be able to stay calm in that moment because me not staying calm is a sign to them that I'm weaker in their mind, which they will move towards weakness and will want to bite. So to me, that part of, and also it's the discipline of it too, because it's not pleasure. Doing a cold shower is not pleasure at all. A warm shower is pleasure. But going in there and saying, I'm going to take this and go through it and deal with it every day and make the choice to deal with this. Because think about working out. What are you doing? You're stressing your body, right? But it's a choice that you make to stress the body to gain. And the stress and all that, pain that happens in working out makes the body stronger right so yeah. I, and for me the but it is very pleasurable though like to say that it's that's not so, pleasurable you're true both you're right. are once you learn the pleasure within it there's a pleasure within it it's so that's true a little bit different it's so true it's understanding so, how to understand the pleasure it's so true because in the beginning it's like fight flight fight flight i'm gonna fight the cold i'm gonna run away from the cold until you just realize no i'm gonna accept the cold I mean, Relax. accept that it is cold and I'm going to breathe through it. And then when you finally do that, you're like, this feels damn good. This cold water all over me, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's actually getting out of your comfort zone is what you're Correct. doing because it's comfortable to be in the warmth. That's right. But then you hit the cold and it's a little uncomfortable at first, but then once you do learn to relax into it. And I noticed this is that I start and like, same with a workout, it's uncomfortable to go at first, but then once you start moving and you get done, you get this euphoria, this pleasure yeah. from both of them. So it's like, yeah, I'm going to put this little bit of work, this little treating my body right and treating my nervous system. So I don't know the science behind the cold water thing. All I know is how I feel like during and after. Yes. And I definitely notice it shifts something in my experience and, and, and it, it makes me feel better. And it does something to like my nervous system and it wakes me up yeah. and it gives me like this, like, like a euphoria, yeah. this, this clear. So it is a little bit of a getting out of my, my comfort zone. Cause it's like easy to be comfy and cozy and shower, but then it's like, 
it's like it's worth it for the work. Yeah. And then you're being able to being able because look at the, like, the amount of times you do that. How many repetitions you can have? How many times you get a shower every day? Right, taking a shower. Sometimes I, I'll I'll be full transparency at the ranch. I don't take showers every day out here. Everybody, sorry everyone. <laughs> well, living out the ranch is like whatever. I'm not showering tonight, but 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 for sure, like being able to do that every single day of saying nope another day. Well, and then the excuses when you realize for me of like. Yeah, but it's night. Do you really want to wake yourself up right now? You're trying to go to bed. Or like, well, later on, it's a cold day. It's winter. Maybe we'll do it tomorrow. Like all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, no, we are doing this. And I think that's, again, like the thought, the mind gets into this thought thing and can grab you and like pull you into comfort. Because comfort equals safety to a human, which is like, we don't have to go into fight flight. We can just surrender to this easy way of being. But then you become weak being that easy comfort way of being because any stress that comes in, it's like meltdown time at that point, you know? Yeah. You're overcoming the mind. It's like, it's like, I am the master of the mind. Yes. The mind is not the master of me. That's so it's right. just, it's just you carrying on and, and gaining that mental strength. Yep. I think it's like, I, and we always exercise discipline affection is really body, mind, heart, right? So when you even said right there, the body and the mind to me, it's like the heart or the spirit that overcomes all that, which is like, yeah, this is this physical organism body thing that we're in, right? And then my mind has this thinking and all these creative stuff like that. But then the actual spirit of, of Hunter, right? The actual spirit of, this is what's going to control both body and mind. That's what I yeah. love. I think, I think that's the really way. It's like, look, I appreciate you guys. We have use for you, body. We have use for you, mind. But just to let you guys know, I want to give you a little reminder. I'm in control of that thing. You know, yep. Because it's yep. gonna go. It's it's. It makes sense for the body to want to keep you in comfort, right? To keep you safe. Yeah, that's safety. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm learning. I'm learning this one. I I don't do it every day. The the cold showers. I've yeah. done it. I do it from time to time. I'm glad you're bringing it back up because every time I'm doing it, it always does like kind of charge me into the Hell day yeah. and it, and it charges me into like my week. So I got to get back on the cold shower thing. I, I do love it. Yeah. Because then you accomplish, it's like one little thing. You do these little accomplishments throughout the day. It's like, I did this cold shower. Yeah. It was like, that, like it was not the most fun to do, but I accomplished that thing. You know, I made yeah, that but happen. It, it does like make me feel better. Right. It, it creates yes. a better experience. I don't know why, but all I can pay attention to is how, how it makes me feel long-term. So it's like, it's like that whole discipline thing. It's like, Eating, you know, healthy, healthy yeah. might not be as enjoyable right now, but it's going to be enjoyable long term. Yeah. So that's like that. It kind of is discipline. It's making decisions now that might not be the easiest that are good for me long term. Right. Whereas, like, yeah, having donuts every day is like it's great while you're eating it, but then long term, you're not going to feel very good. Yeah. yeah. It's like those that short term pleasure of like, let me have that one McDonald's. Whatever. Well, maybe we shouldn't bash McDonald's, but whatever. <laughs> whatever the not so good food is in that moment of time, you're eating it's like, wow, this tastes so good. And and it's like, now I got to deal with inflammation and feeling sluggish and feeling tired for the next 12, 24 hours, you know, which is like, so yep. not worth it. Yep. Okay. So tell us what's in store for Hunter, Hunter Pence moving forward after post baseball playing career. What are you up to nowadays? Well, I've been doing a lot actually. And I've kind of just been, um, I don't know if you'd call it like freelancer, but I mean, I have a podcast of my own awesome. uh, baseball barista with Grant Brisby. I've uh, been Amazing. doing that for a while on the athletic. Uh, I also have, uh, I do um, perfect game college baseball on ESPN radio. So I have a radio show. Amazing. Uh, I also stream on my Twitch channel, which is uh, Hunter Pence Mondays through Thursdays. I've been running a magic the gathering tournament every Thursday called sweatsuit invitational. Amazing. Uh, 
I do Dungeons and Dragons on there as well. So like I'm a big nerd and I love all of that. Uh, but I've, I've just had a bunch of like um, random things kind of pop up. I've gotten to broadcast three games, which is really cool. Super cool. Um, I love broadcasting. I do some of the pre and post with the Giants. Um, so really just involved in like talking baseball, uh, involved in the gaming world. And then a bunch of just random events keep popping up that are super fun. And uh, Sorry, I'm not super doing cool. that. That's Nico, by the way. You got to meet Nico, my chef. Oh, how's Someone, Nico doing? He's doing great. He's doing really great. Cassie keeps telling me, she's like, I, she's like saying like one of her bucket list items. She's like, I need to see Nico with Foxy. And she like oh, tells me like very seriously. Here. I'm like, okay, we'll she's- make that happen. <laughs> she looks so much different now, by the way. How much different does she look? Because we a looked lot. at some of the pictures when she was with you. Even pictures when I saw, I, I went and watched like the first little dance video I did with Foxy and she looks so different. Yeah. You wanna, yeah. Bring, you want to bring her over real quick? Oh my Can God. We bring show you Foxy? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We She's sleeping her. right now. We had her running at the beach. Oh my by God. the way, She's so like, what I'm, I'm so, I'm dying to do when I see you guys in Cali is I want to like, oh my God, there goes Fox. She doesn't like this seat. She doesn't like the lights. Cassie's, oh, look at this. Cassie's going to have a fucking meltdown with this right now when she sees that Foxy's on camera. Fox, what's up, Foxy girl? I don't know if she can hear you. Nah, she can't hear me. What we have to do, what I'm dying to do is just like have either you or Lexi like walk her up to me. Because this is just like for my own thing. And I, I, just to see. If I say nothing to her and look away, if she smells what the smell, what, what, what she reacts to it. Like, does she remember? I know she's going to remember for sure. <laughs> look at her. Yeah. She's going to love you. Oh my God. Does she look a lot different? This is like painful. This is like hard for me. Like I'm now getting into my whole thing. I'm like, I can't even look right now. It's like, <laughs> she's the sweetest angel ever. We are very lucky. So angel. good. So let me ask you a question. Obvious. I mean, I think I know the answer, but if you could do it all over again, would you send her to us for the pack for the enrichment? Oh, enrichment? yeah. We actually want to go through another session together. Like we want to like re re Annie it and just like, keep, you know, keep it fresh. Yeah. Um, you know, so that was the best decision we ever made. Like, you know, I'm sure she would have caused enough damage to uh, all of our stuff without you. And it was just like, it was just so nice to get her like that. It was worth every penny. It was like the best investment ever. And it's been such an enjoyable, easy experience on us. So great to hear that. And I, I honestly didn't, I mean, I, I had a, a feeling what you were going to say there, but I just want to make sure because to me, like I, every dog that comes here, I treat like my own. And Foxy, it literally feels like you, you're like taking care of a dog that we co-own or something like that. You know what I mean? Because like having her she was like and by the way she's our coronavirus dog she was the dog who came for corona when like everything shut down here and it was us with foxy it was the greatest time ever it was such a pleasure having her amazing i'll never forget cassie uh (laughs) what she said to us when she put her to bed the first night and um i just remember her y'all being like if y'all want we'll keep her we like you you know we'll we'll, we'll keep her because the coronavirus and like lex is like i want my dog back (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, exactly exactly you have any second thoughts we'll take her back in a heartbeat yeah uh, i'm glad you loved her that much but cassie told us she's like you are so lucky this is a very special dog and that was really sweet of her to say amazing dog and cassie's now by the way just so you know between us well, now the public knows stalking your breeder, trying to get a dog from them. <laughs> oh, really? Are they? I, I think the one was it. The, the, Cassie's trying to get a dog from the breeder or whatever. Yeah, she just has a new. Litter. Oh, she does have a new litter. Yeah, yeah. but is if it the y'all same? If you are on the wait list, then you'll I, probably get it. Yeah. I think you'll probably get one if you're on the wait list. So okay, we're on it. Well, Cassie, y'all can it. edit that out if you need to. I don't know what I can and can't say. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, now she knows. So whatever. And you were saying about the energy thing before. 
I was saying like before this, literally right before this show, a puppy's getting dropped off, right? And I'm like, we have yeah. so many puppies for puppy enrichment, but most of them are coming between like three and four months older-ish, right? The people have the dog for about a month, two months, and then they send the dog. But this was the first dog since Foxy, and it was not planned this way, who came straight from the breeder. It's a black lab puppy who just showed up. And I'm like, how oh. weird is that? That like the way the universe works and all that, that I'm going to be talking to Hunter with Foxy and Lexi and everybody. And that was the last dog who was here. It's just so weird how that stuff, people can say it's coincidence, but I really think it's the, it's the law. Of the there universe. are no coincidences. I once agree. again, like, like if it, if it's a mirror, if it's a reflection, like a Polaroid picture, everything that's coming to you is aligned with your frequency. Hell it's, yeah. it's physics. It's science. Like it was proven by scientists much smarter than me. So I'm going to trust Einstein. We have to like, I think that it's really important what you were saying there. And I'm trying to get the same message out for the public to understand that. Cause once you get it, there's literally, once you know, you can't not know anymore. You're right. It's just like, it, it's sometimes hard to take ownership. Some people are like, there's no way I, I decided to have this or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I don't want to like, I don't know, say that I know, or like why, like sometimes there's things that maybe your soul agreed to go through and there's something that's being shaped. Like for instance, the depression kind of stage that you talked about, Yes. like it seemed really bad when you were going through it at the time. Yep. But then like, how much did that shape you and teach you about yourself and how much did that Everything. slingshot you forward? So sometimes you, you go through dark times that propel you much further forward in life. And, and, you know, like I always love the saying with coal, uh, the most intense pr pressure within coal is a diamond. A little less pressure is crystal and even less pressure is just coal. So sometimes we're being wow. shaped by some of the tough circumstances, but sometimes we're also creating them not knowing because there's, in, there's, um, there's stuff within us that we're not facing. Right. And sometimes you, you have to be honest with yourself and discern the difference. Uh, by the way, my nephew always tells me he has more rings than me because they win rings every weekend now when they win the tournament. <laughs> That's right. More <laughs> rings. That's right. Awesome. Thank you I so much. It. Tell Lexi we said hello. Give Foxy a huge hug for us, please. All and, right. And for Cassie, of course. Yeah, um, tell Cassie hello and Nico. We can't wait to meet him. Definitely. It'll be awesome. Hunter, thank you so much. I know he's so been much. in our house, though. He has. That's right. <laughs> By the way, okay, let me say, say that real quick. The first time Nico's ever first time staying with us was literally in the apartment that Hunter's in right now, which is his apartment. And giving how much of an awesome person Hunter and Lexi are, or people Hunter and Lexi are, when we went to go pick up Nico, where were you guys? You guys were somewhere else, right? At that point? I think we were still in Arizona. Yes, that's we were, right. We were still waiting for spring training. And they they so kindly offered their apartment for us to stay in, which, I, by the way, thank you so much for letting us stay there. It was awesome yeah. to be able to stay there. And I made that he did, who did, uh, he who dares wins thing. I made Cassie take a photo of it. We should put that on the thing, because I have that one. <laughs> and I was like, this is so Hunter, this sign right here. <laughs> awesome. Hunter, yep. thank you again Go so much. You are, you are a true pack leader. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thank Take you, care. Bro. Appreciate it. Take care.